Uh, Luke 18, 18 to 23. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother. All of these things I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Heavenly Father, as we uh, look at this passage this morning, may we understand more about the treasure and the truth, and may we always have uh, you as our treasure. Amen. <clears throat> What's treasure? Well, I guess for each of us we have different thoughts about what's important or significant to us. had a bit of a look on the um, dictionary, in the internet dictionary, uh, definitions of treasure, and it said, um, <clears throat> it mentioned things like gold, jewels, money, uh, a great quantity of things accumulated for future use, abundance of possessions, wealth, things that are collected. When the rich young ruler came to um, Jesus, he was one of the few people in the Bible that came to Jesus with a sincere question, or what appeared to be a sincere question, and left in a worse condition. He went away very sad. Got a bit of a pic there of the rich young ruler with his bag of goodies um, before the, excuse me, turning my back, uh, kingdom of God representing um, Jesus. And he was a man that appeared to have it all. He was rich, he was respected, he was a rabbi, a leader in his community. Uh, he was recognised, he was an important person and he was young. He appeared to have everything that the world tells us puts us in a good place. He was powerful, he was independent, uh, he didn't rely upon anybody or need anything. But when he came to Jesus, he came to Jesus with what appeared to be a sincere question but with an empty heart. There was something missing that he wanted an answer to. Uh, he was a moral man, he was recognised as being someone who uh, acted well, was respected in his community. But when he comes to Jesus, he did something unusual. He referred to Jesus as good. Now, when you and I talk about good things, we just mean they're good. But for the Jews, and especially for a rabbi, a teacher of the law, good was a term that was used only for God. And that's why Jesus questions him. Do you know that God alone is good? So was he toying with Jesus? Was he being sarcastic or abusive towards Jesus by calling him 
good? Or was it a true recognition of who Jesus actually was? Could we have the next slide, please? So what Jesus did was he uncovered the man's heart. He tore away the superficial outer casing to expose what was in the man's heart. Now, we hear a lot, read a lot about riches, wealth, money in the Bible. In fact, in the King James Version, uh, it's mentioned 140 times, probably more than most other things. And this narrative of the rich young ruler is mentioned three times, uh, is mentioned in the three Gospels. Not many of the parables or narratives of Jesus are mentioned in uh, three Gospels. None of them are mentioned in all four. So it's a significant thing that we need to reflect upon. We also hear in the New Testament about another rabbi, another teacher, Nicodemus, who, who came before Jesus with a sincere heartness and a sincere question. But unlike the rich young ruler, he didn't leave very sad. And he was so impacted by the words of Jesus, he went out and sold a lot of his possessions and paid back two and three times uh, what he owed to other people. The gospel truth, Jesus really impacted him. But the rich young ruler, he actually brought an argument to Jesus. What must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? Now, if he really believed that uh, what he was doing was righteous, he wouldn't have had to ask that question. But, but he did. And Jesus, interestingly, re replies to him with uh, an answer from the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th and ninth commandment, but keeps the last answer as the best answer, which is the first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And he questions the rich young ruler about the thing that is most important to him, what he treasures most of all, which is his wealth. So he brings an argument to Jesus and then he also boasts about his, what he believes, righteousness. I've, I've, commit, I've kept all these commandments. And Jesus said, ah, yes, but the first one. Think about the first one. Love the Lord your God. Sell what you have and give it to the poor. So, if we could have the next slide, please. What the uh, rich young ruler does, he, uh, he comes to the right person, he asks the right question, he gets the right answer, but he makes the wrong decision. He went to the source, he found the truth, it was uncovered to him, but he could not accept it. And he went away very sad because the most important thing to him uh, was what he wouldn't give up. And if he had have recognised that Jesus was God Almighty, man on earth, he would not have even thought about selling his wealth. When the penny dropped, he had that, aha, uh -huh, ka-ching, I got it now. He would have just responded, but he didn't. And he went away very sad. The other thing that I think is a bit interesting about this verse is um, he said to Jesus, what must I do? What must I do? What have I got to work at? What have I got to sacrifice? What have I got to give up or give 
what, what's the doing that I've got to do? And Jesus made us, God made us as human beings, not as human doings. And the whole focus of our faith is that we don't have to do any. We can't do anything. God's already done it. All we've got to do is accept the free gift of salvation that Jesus offers, it, offers us. Uh, if we could have the next slide, please. Yep. So the key to the heart of the matter, the key to the truth, is that we need, and the young, rich young ruler needed, to invest in the kingdom. Giving away his wealth, selling his wealth, wasn't loss at all. It would have been, had he followed the advice, investment, investment in growing the kingdom of God. Now, when the disciples heard Jesus' response, they were gobsmacked. They were a bit shocked. Here's an upright, respected, honourable man, leader in the church. If he can't make it into the kingdom of heaven, what chance is there for us? And they were unable to make sense of the response. So in this passage, what Jesus was trying to show them and to show the rich young ruler and to show us is that it's not possessing riches that are wrong, but being possessed by the riches that is wrong. Um, the disciples recognised that wealth was actually a blessing from God. Abraham, Moses, Joseph, Nicodemus himself, uh, Solomon were blessed with great riches. So money, riches, wealth, possession, stuff isn't the issue. It's where the heart lies in how we use those things. And they don't have to be things. They can be people or they can be relationships that we put before God. We don't put them in their proper, in their proper place. Uh, next slide, please. Um, so in Proverbs 4.23, Solomon says, guard your heart because from it all things flow. So as Christians, we're told we need to guard that which is important and significant, is where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. And uh, <clears throat> I want you to try a little exercise. I want you to put your um, chin down on your chest, and I know it's hard with your mask on. Put your chin and take a fairly deep breath. Okay, now, put your head up and look forward or even look up a bit and take a breath. So much easier, isn't it? If we look down, we're not going there. We're going ahead. We're called to fix our eyes on Jesus, to strive towards the goal that's ahead. If we look down, it's suffocating. If we look down, we're going down. So we're called as Christian people to look ahead. You've got to glance back and you've got to glance down. You don't want to trip over uh, what's in front of you and you want to see what's behind. When you're driving a car, 90% of the time, you're, or probably 80%, you're, you're looking through the windscreen. 
not in the rearview mirror. I once heard someone say, don't spend too much time looking in the rearview mirror. All you see is what you've left behind. You need to be looking through the windscreen where you're going ahead. And of course, you're, you're glancing around to see what's coming on the side roads and looking at the speed limits. And unless you're a professional driver, those ones with the peep, no, I shouldn't go there. Um, so what, what, what we need to be doing is looking where we're going, fixing our eyes on Jesus, because that's the direction that we're going. Uh, the next little slide's an interesting one. Um, so that's a picture of a ploughing competition. It's a long time ago, probably 1920s, 1930s, by the look of that uh, tractor. And you can see the fellas in the background behind that bloke. It's a bit of a fuzzy photo, but the, the picture of the fellas in the back, they're watching the tractor as it's going forward, and they're assessing the plough furrows. Now, they still have ploughing competitions. Uh, they don't do them with tractors uh, like that. Uh, and before the tractor, they used to use a horse and cart. And if you're looking down and you're looking behind, you can't keep the path straight. And the whole point of a ploughing competition or ploughing is to get nice, straight furrows so when the seed and or the fertiliser are, are spread out, it's not wasted. And if you're not watching where you're going, whether it's driving or, or you're ploughing, you don't keep a straight line. You know if you're, you're driving, you're always correcting the reel. If you just hold the wheel straight and don't, don't move it, uh, you'll, you'll veer off course. So you're always making corrections. When you're ploughing, there are, there are stumps, there are rocks, there, you go down a little bit of a furrow or a dip and you're, you're always correcting. The same with us in the Christian life. If we're watching where we're going, remaining faithful, reading our Bible, praying, keeping a mind that is focused on the, the things of God, we're always making corrections to ourselves when we're not, oh, I shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have said that. Um, so fix our eyes on the master. Um, my pup, Rosie, I think I mentioned Rosie to you last time. Uh, she's going pretty well, but uh, she's, got a, she's got a significant problem, a significant issue, and it's, it's holding the dummy, the, the um, bumper, correctly. Now, the whole point of a retrieving trial, like a ploughing trial, is to get the job done as quickly as you can with the least effort and as accurately and as best you can. So at a retrieving trial, uh, a dog has to go out and retrieve. And when they come back, they've got to be holding nice and straight and even. Now, Rosie's very excitable, which is one of the reasons I got her, because she just wants to go. And the faster she goes out and the faster she comes back, the more honour she brings me as her master, because she is going straight to the bumper, straight back and delivers to hand. She's got the prize. Boss, here it is. I've got it for you. But when she goes out, she rolls the dummy around in her mouth, she plays with it, she holds it like a cigar at the end, and it's ugly. I mean, she's doing the job, but she's not doing it to my satisfaction or well. In the same way as Christians, we, we need to be continually assessing and reviewing our attitude and our behaviour and our response. And even though we go out with the right intentions and the right motives, as the rich young ruler did, unless we deliver, we're not doing what God wants us to do. But not because we're the doing, but we're being what God wants us to be. And here's got the end game. We don't. 
um, one of the things that a, a retrieving dog has to do is a blind. A blind is a placed mark. And it can be anything up to 150 metres away in the water, across water, down a ditch up water, behind blackberry bushes. And the dog has absolutely no idea where it is. And it's got to follow the direction of the handler, the master. So what you do is you, you, you've got to teach the dog to heal well. Tracy was giving me a hand to do this the other day because when I'm trialling or I'm training, I'm not actually watching what the dog's doing, I'm watching the end goal and I lose sight of what the dog's doing. And if she's sitting crooked, when she takes off, she's going to run crooked. So getting her lined up properly is really important. And I'm teaching her, um, when, when you're trialling with a dog, uh, you do that. And at 150 metres, the dog has to be running in between your two fingers, which is probably about 15 to 20 metres, which doesn't sound like much, but at 100 metres, if a dog's a few degrees off with its head placement, by the time it gets out that far, it's way off mark. So what you do is you line the, the dog's head up with your knee and your hand, if that's the dog's head, you put your hand right over the top of the head and you move your hand around and the dog's got to learn to move its head around. So I'm, I'm lining Rosie up and when she looks right, no. When she looks left, no. When she's, yes, good, good dog, good dog. And she gets a bit of chicken or a good O and she thinks, oh, good, if I look in that, that's great. And when you send her, she'll follow that line and go out and come back in a straight line. But if your experience is anything like my experience, my Christian life and my obedience goes something like this, zigzags all over the place, up and down. It's not a straight... I wish that it was, but... Uh, what does Paul say? I don't do what I want to do, but I do what I don't want to do, and it's not me that does it, but the sin within me. And, of course, all of creation groans under the burden of sin. So putting your hand to the plough or your tractor to the plough and turning back, Jesus warns us against. We're always looking Christward. If Christ is not our treasure, we're off, off beam. So what does it mean to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, to make Jesus our treasure. There's a couple of ads on telly I really dislike. They, they, they get up my nose. You ever had a fly or something get up your nose? Really, really annoying. Uh, or in your ear? That's even worse. Um, I went past our orange tree. We've got a row of orange trees opposite the shed. And a bug flew in my ear. And... I don't know what you would do if a bug flew in your ear, but my immediate reaction was to try and get it out, which is to stick my finger in the ear, which, of course, aggravated the bug and it buried itself even further in. And there's nothing worse than having something screaming in your ear that nobody else can hear, but you can. And I said to Julie, can you get a pair of... Um, they, um, they drowned it and then sucked it out. It took about an hour and it was very annoying, but I tell you, it felt great when it was out. Um, some ads are like that they, they really annoy you because they just distract you and detract from what God is calling us to do 
The one that I hate the most, driving a motorbike into a into a uh, party, you certainly be noticed, and everyone turn spend for the rest of your tinsel comes down, and you know it's like heaven on earth. And what delivers the money, the wealth, the power, the significance? What a lie that is! Could we have the next slide, please? What a lie that is! But people are queuing up for the lies that don't deliver, and the truth is not popular. A couple of years ago, or more than a couple of years ago, because it was when the Sydney Morning Herald was read by most of the population, which now it is, and of course newspapers are almost a thing of the past, um, they did, whoever they were, the, the um, authors of this article, reviewed the last 100 uh, millionaire winners of lottery, lotto, Powerball, whatever the, the million dollars came from. Over 50% of them said they were in a worse place than prior to winning the million dollars. People were hitting them up for money. Uh, they were getting cold calls on the phone all the time. Uh, they'd been burgled. They'd been followed. Um, they were in a worse place. But that's not what the world tells you. The world says you get that little sack of goodies and you've made it. But Jesus is saying it's easier. <laughs> For a camel to go through the eye of a needle and for a rich man whose heart is not with God to enter the kingdom of heaven. So we've got this, um, we've got this uh, constant challenge to make Jesus our treasure, to keep the things of God as our number one focus, not the things here. Because, you know, your hair falls out, your teeth fall out, your body falls to bits, your money rusts and decay, what happens to your property or your superannuation, they get inherited. But it's all just stuff. Unless we've got the kingdom of God as our primary focus, we're headed for the world of the dead. Could we have the last slide up, please? So... Um, that little uh, um, kindergarten Sunday school hymn, Fix Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full in His Wonderful Face, the experience of, of, of Jesus. The things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So, so that's our challenge. One of the blokes at uh, the last school I was at uh, had a bit of wisdom he shared with me. He said, uh, in our family, he said, we're teaching our kids that when ads come on the telly uh, that are unwholesome ads, whether they're talking about uh, money, sex, power, things that are trying to draw us away, he said, we sit down there and we recite rubbish. I thought, how good is that? So when the Powerball comes, they all say rubbish, and they're reminding one another of significant biblical truths. That is just rubbish in terms of God's kingdom and our place in God's kingdom. We are God's treasure. He said, you are my treasured possession. In Isaiah, he says, I've got your name tattooed on the palm of my hand. And if we're there in God's hand, what can challenge us? So we need to be continually mindful of what God has in store for us which is his kingdom, even though the path there we may not know. But if we don't keep our eyes fixed on him, like ploughing, um, we're going to be too concerned about what's happened 
before to impact what's going to happen in our future. So my challenge for us is to um, keep the main thing the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus is our treasure. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truths of your word, the teachings of Jesus. May we be ever mindful of the pull of the world and the lies of Satan and remind us that you are the way, the truth and the life. Amen.